This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for an offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, April 2nd, 2019, and my guest is Steve Litchfield. Hi, Steve. How are you? I am locked in like most of the world and being driven slowly but surely stir crazy by the rest of the household. But don't tell them that. Otherwise, I'm fine. Thank you. (laughs) That sounds pretty normal, I think, for a lot of folks right now. And unfortunately, this is what we have to do. So thanks for doing that. And thanks for hanging in there. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. So I have you on because photography on phones, as you know, as everybody should know, this is a big deal for both of us. Yeah, absolutely. I've, you and I have been banging heads about camera phones since 2004, 2005-ish. Wow. It's a long time. Yeah. For sure. So there's a few phones specifically I want to talk about. Some that you have, some that you don't, some that I have, some that I don't. So some of it is going to be, you know, you have experience, but I don't. Some of it we both have experienced, some of it you know, the other way around. But I feel that we're well-informed enough now from others' coverage, et cetera, to make really good decisions and, and, and form opinions. So here's my thing that I want to discuss. Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra, S20, 20 Plus, I want to throw them in there because of their, what I'd like to call very problematic telephoto, quote-unquote, telephoto. And then I want to talk about the Huawei P40 Pro, which I know you don't have yet, but I don't have a S20 Ultra, so you do. And then I don't know if you have time with the Oppo Find X2 Pro at all. We don't really see Oppo here very much at all. I've got all the specs printed out for the phones I haven't played with, by the way, Miriam. So hopefully I'm ready to go in terms of imaging, at least. And yeah, I've got a Huawei P40 Pro arriving tomorrow. And I've, I've, of course, played at length with the Galaxy S20 and S20 Ultra 5G. So I can talk about some of it. Let's start with the phone that you've played with, the ones you've played with, these, this the S20 series in general. Because yeah. I'm missing the experience with the Ultra. And to be honest with you, it is now April 2nd. I still do not have a review in it. Samsung will not send me one. The operators, carriers here in the US are locked down. Obviously, their offices are, and they're all working from home. And they were very kind because I have good relationships with all of the operators to say, Miriam, we're not at the office. We're not in the position to send you review units right now. And so I'm honestly stuck short of going out, or rather, I can't go out, getting <laughs> one sent to me by buying it online. And then returning it within a time period, like I did with the Galaxy Z Flip, I don't have one. But I have enough of an idea, and I honestly don't feel like I'm going to bother with it now, because I think the general consensus, and this is what I really want to hear from you, is this is a flawed imaging device. Yeah, the Ultra has some redeeming qualities. The 108 megapixel main camera reminds me so much of that old Nokia Lumiton 20, in that it does, that the whole oversampling stroke a, a pixel binning so well nine to one pixel reduction so you get almost no noise uh really pure images and for once samsung hasn't really overdone the the the, uh, the sharpening and the edge edge enhancement i was really quite impressed by the main camera apart from the fact that it's just got phase detection autofocus which means it's quite slow to focus which i think a lot of people 
They're used to much faster dual pixel autofocus and laser autofocus, and they don't quite know what to do when a, a phone doesn't quite nail the focusing. Whereas, of course, you and I go back so many years, we're kind of used to making allowances. The other thing is that with a really large sensor and a large aperture, the S20 Ultra, um, the depth of field is so small that you can you can take a photograph of something that's a foot away and only part of it will be in focus. But that's just physics. There's nothing you can do about that. Samsung, that's not a Samsung failing. I think it's just that's, no. that's how optics work. Absolutely. And so my question to you was, what's the f-stop on that main sensor? Because that will also affect, I've noticed that with these larger sensors, they're going to, you know, small apertures, higher f-stops, because it's physically impossible yeah. to manufacture a z-stack, like a camera optics that are, you know, yeah. very shallow, which they need to be for thin phones. What is it on the Ultra? It's f over 1.8. But remember that the apertures are not uh, absolute though that is relevant re relative to the sensor size so f over 1.8 right? yeah yeah it's, it's larger than f over 1.8 on a much smaller camera unit yeah yeah and that's and that's why the shallow depth of field you're talking yeah, about yeah. and so don't let that alarm you too much but it's still technically leave you know letting in less light than say last year's uh phenomenal honor 20 pro which was f over 1.4 yeah on the main lens which was gorgeous when I used it out at Burning Man. Like, it was amazing. It was almost as good as a P30 Pro, honestly. Yeah. Um, and that had the Sony IMX586, yeah. which is an interesting sensor that will come up in discussion with the Oppo in a few minutes. Uh, so I got the feeling from everything I read and people who I talked to and, you know, that have some good experience with imaging, that the Ultra's main camera, the only issue really is autofocus yeah and that the rest is really sorted like as you said this is out of all the samsung cameras we're going to discuss today probably the only one that doesn't over sharpen and over process and make everything look like hell yeah absolutely and that's exactly right samsung realized that they had a really good thing going here um, again, this sort of pure view computational photography, taking nine to one gives you incredible scope for getting rid of um, defects and noise, which means you don't so need to So what is the do. effective pixel size at nine to one? Um, not, so 0 0.8 microns multiplied by nine. So whatever that works out to be. Uh, by three, it'd be by yeah, three. By three, by three yeah, size, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So you're talking about two and a half microns, yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that that would definitely do the trick, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then we'll get to that. That's what the uh, the Oppo does as well with its IMX uh, six eight nine sensor, which is native uh, one point one two micron. Yeah. So you multiply by two because it's four to yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And it does now has two point two four micron pixels. Yeah. But anyway, tell me quickly what your thoughts are on the other two lenses, particularly the zoom, because this is the only Samsung Galaxy S phone that technically effectively really has an optical zoom. And we'll get to that when we talk about the other two. Yeah, yeah, the, the, there's nothing really wrong with the main sensors we just said. So let's put, the, put that to one side. The updates will improve autofocus, hopefully, but there are limits. And you, you have to, if you work within the limits, the main sensor, I think, is they've done a good job. It need, the whole thing needs to be cheaper, but they've done a good job. The periscope system is interesting because the main sensor takes you from 2.2 2, um, 2 times zoom, lossless uh, zoom, crop, crop zoom, up to about uh, three, maybe three and a half, but that's not too bad because the optical kicks in at four times, which is actually a, a nice, a nice step up. You lose a bit of there's a bit of fuzziness just below four times, but four times optical plus you get another step up, i.e., to five times with crop zooming on the that 48 megapixel periscope sensor, 
And then you've got up to 10 times hybrid if you want to go to software zoom as well. But effectively, think of the Periscope as a four times optical, and it produces very good results. Over, overall, I cannot emphasize, emphasize this enough. If the S20 Ultra 5G had been £500, $500 cheaper, it would be a no-brainer to say this is the best imaging phone in the world. But it's just the fact that there are compromises and it's just so damned expensive. And I honestly think that you and I, as you said, can certainly handle the autofocus issues. Yeah. But I think that's completely unacceptable to the modern user today. The person who is trying to capture pictures of their children as they're running around the house in in questionable light like you cannot have a slow autofocus and and it's particularly obvious to me in video which is not my you know thing that i care about that much but a lot of people do and and so it's vexing when you see the price on top of that right it's like i think you're right i don't want to dismiss and downgrade just because i think i've given up on getting a device myself uh, to review at least for the time being i don't want to dismiss what samsung's done here first you know, sensor to bin nine to one. Yeah. First Periscope zoom on a mainstream device. Like in Europe, you've had the P30 Pro as a legitimate mainstream yeah. device available. We haven't. So we have not seen a folded lens on anything yet. And so I think this is important. I think folded lenses matter. And and we're going to talk about the P40 Pro Plus in a minute because I think they're kind of doing the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think you're you're right about the, the autofocus in terms of this being a mass market device. But I th I think Samsung just needs to get its marketing straight. If it's going to go down this route of having just phase detection autofocus uh, and nothing nothing else fancy, no dual pixel, no laser autofocus, it's got to say this can be one of the best imaging phones in the world. But the, there are this is who it's for, and pitch it as Nokia did back in that Lumia 1020 day by saying this is an imaging phone for taking great photographs. It's not something you snap your kids and your dog with. This is what phone for someone who knows what they're doing with imaging and can work with a, a, a camera unit this large. Um, maybe it's just a marketing thing at the end of the day. Yeah. What's the sensor size again? It's uh, so one over one point three. Yes, whatever one point three three, which is a uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one yeah. of the larger ones out there in the world at the moment. Yeah, but but yeah. Huawei's got them beat. So <laughs> let's talk to that about that in a minute. <laughs> Just um, <laughs> and trust me, I haven't had enough time because of the uh, stay at home to go out there and do photos with the P forty yeah. Pro, I, like as I'd like. But oh my god, that sensor! Yeah, yeah. I think, and we'll get to that. But I think that Huawei is making the perfect compromise between pixel size and pixel count. And it is blowing my mind. It is absolutely outstanding with all the caveats of a usual RYYB sensor. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. But and anyway. The, and the P40 Pro, of course, has this new, quote, omnidirectional phase detection to focus, which it sounds like it's based on the same technology, but it actually involves focusing uh, phase detection across the whole sensor. It is once. so fast yeah. that autofocus, it yeah. is insane. Yeah. Um, but here's a question for you. You talked about the fact that the main sensor on the Ultra is still used for zooming up to 3.3 times, you said? Right. Yeah, technically it's 2.2 times lossless and then up to obviously up to 3.9. They try and use it with some software interpolation. So here's a crazy yeah. idea. They have 108 megapixels to play with. They're binning nine to one yeah. when they're taking main photos, probably in low light in particular. And there's, I'm sure there's a, a pure 108 megapixel mode that's insane. But why not bin four to one when you're cropping a little bit to get that intermediate amount of binning on the main lens be before you hit the periscope for like 2.2, 3.1, whatever. 
There, well, there isn't really pixel binning. Once you've got to 2.2 times lossless, you're down to one to one on the sensor. So anything beyond... Oh, you're already down to one to one at 2.2? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It goes that fast. I didn't realize. <laughs> this is math. So, so wait, uh-huh. so before four, like in that gray area between 2.2 and four, what's yeah. happening? Samsung has always been very good at interpretive um, software zoom, as you know. Their, 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 soft, their zoom algorithms are excellent. And up to three times, 3.3, 3.5, it's really pretty good. There is a slight loss in quality, but you have to be pixel peeping like you and I would do to notice. And then, of course, you hit four times, the periscope takes over, and then yeah, you're off you're your back way. in a yeah, different lens. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Do we know what sensors are using? Obviously, the one, the 108 is a Samsung sensor. There's no yeah. doubt about that. But I, I'm wondering if the... Tele, the 48, is an IMX 5HX from Sony. Sadly, the person I borrowed it from would not let me take it apart to find out. I have no idea. <laughs> well, Jer- Jerry rig everything. Uh, Zach, we okay. should watch his video about that. He might actually know. But I have a hunch that it is a Sony sensor and not a Samsung sensor. Okay. Because Samsung has done this in the past where when they have multiple sensors on a flagship for ease of procurement, they don't put all their eggs in the Samsung basket. So what about the ultrawide on that phone? Is it it's a regular ultrawide, nothing fancy? Does it have a large sensor or anything? I think it's twelve. Like I'm talking about the count, not the oh, yeah, actual 12, physical yeah, surface area. Yeah, twelve megapixel. But then I think with ultra wide shots, as long as a phone camera a uh, so phone has got an ultra wide and it takes reasonable shots. You're not too worried about the exact specifications and the exact performance. You're not going to be doing ultra wide at night and low light, are you? So no. I, th- I think it's fine. I mean, fine. You, I d- kind of disagree with that. I, I kind of <laughs> want to, but you're yeah. not going to mostly because you know it's yeah. going to look like hell. Indeed. But you want to. I mean, now that I've have, have had a Mate, uh, Mate 30 Pro for a while and now the P40 Pro that both have a 40 megapixel RGB ultra wide sensor trust me low light is happening yeah i'm eyeing up this p40 pro spec sheet it's arriving tomorrow and i've just noticed the specs on that that ultra wide yeah you're absolutely right i think i can take ultra wide at night with the p40 pro oh yeah you can it's great and the mate 30 it's basically exact same setup they had on the mate 30 pro and that ultra wide on the mate 30 pro is when you finally first get an ultra wide that does four to one pixel binning that has low light capability you weren't expecting, it is liberating, trust me, because there are so many times when you're like, hmm, this would be great ultra wide. And you don't do the ultra wide at night because you're kind of conditioned not to do yeah, ultra wide yeah. at night. You know? Yeah, so it's a mindset thing. We're just not, we're not used to that being a possibility. But in theory, in the future, that might be something we do. Why not? Yeah. So let's switch to the S20, S20 Plus. I have an S20. You have an S20. I don't have a Plus. I don't care. It's They're pretty much the same imaging setup. There's an extra camera on the back on the Plus. It's a, it's a depth sensor. It's not used for photography, unlike the depth sensor for the Ultra, which I believe is used for autofocus. But anyway, tell me what you think, because I have good and bad things to say, and most of them, unfortunately, are not that great. Okay, the main sensor is fine, absolutely fine. One over one point seven six inches uh, sensor. It's a twelve megapixel dual pixel autofocus, nice and fast. It's got OAS, the usual stuff, and it's one point abs- eight micron, right? One point eight micron. Yeah, it's absolutely that's fine. impressive. Yeah. yeah, it's a very yeah. good main camera. Spoiled completely by processing. It's gone completely <sighs> over the top in terms of edge enhancement and sharpening. And I, it was just so ugly. I, I I just literally stopped using it after I'd seen what I produced. I'm sorry, Samsung. I know they'd generally tone down the processing. It's worse in than updates. the S10. Yeah. It's worse than the yeah. S10 yeah. and the Note 10, yet they have worse sensors. The low light on that sensor is incredible, but it's over-processed to death. Everything yeah. is looking like ultra-sharp. Like you, you have like this weird 
over sharpening lines everywhere on everything that's a line on everything and it's it's just i just wish they would just fix that in a software update like how hard can it be if they, if they nail it on the ultra why can't yeah. they get it right on the on the lesser 20 and 20 plus right if, if you think about going back three or four years if you then say miriam you can have a 12 megapixel f over 1.8 1 over 1.76, 1.8 micron pixel, dual pixel to focus with OIS. You think, wow, this is going to be the camera to end all phone cameras. And if they didn't put any extra processing and sharpening, it would produce stunning results. And at the time, you'd have thought this is the this is the second coming. And they've they've got this device now. The camera's excellent, and they completely ruin it in software for no reason. If they just let the pictures speak for themselves, they'd have a winner. Exactly. And so the thing that also we, we should point out is there's a way to alleviate that to some extent, but you lose a lot of the multi-frame yeah. processing advantages and stuff that a modern computational photography is uh, when you use pro mode uh, or manual yeah. mode. Yeah. It seems to help a lot. What is the f-stop on the main camera on the S20? F over 1.8. Oh, that's odd though. That is odd. That 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 sensor's not that big. That that should I would have liked to see an f of one point six or one point seven on that, but that's just me. Well, of course, last year and the previous year they had the variable aperture or the the, the dual aperture, and I think well, for right. no, no idea why they've stopped doing that. But this is kind of in, stuck in the middle. Exactly, and honestly, they did the same with the Z Flip, and the Z Flip is actually takes better photos, in my opinion, than the S twenty because it's the it's the older sensor. Wow! Right? Yeah. It's it's last year's Note ten and S ten sensor main sensor with an f over 1.8 to kind of compromise on the no no dual aperture and and honestly the processing is there it's still so it's still very samsung but it's it's fine i switched to s20 and i was like oh my goodness but this is not my biggest gripe because i can still remedy it with pro and i think samsung hopefully will listen and fix this but my biggest gripe Oh my god! <laughs> my gripe to end all gripes. <laughs> the thing that is butt hurting me hard in this imaging world today is what both Samsung are doing with the S20, S20 Plus, and LG is doing with the V60 ThinQ 5G dual screen. That's a hand uh, mouthful of a name. Uh, my again, my review is going to be up on Hot Hardware. My first time writing for them. You know, when you folks listen to this show, uh, it's it's being uh, posted yeah. right now. So. The V60, to be clear, does not have a telephoto on paper at all. It has a 64 megapixel main sensor with no telephoto and it has a dedicated ultra wide. And they're doing, they're relying on that 64 megapixel sensor to do all, all telephoto duty. And they call it a telephoto. And it's terrible because I disagree. It is a simulated telephoto, AKA a not proper dedicated telephoto. And that's what's even more egregious about the s20 is that yeah. they technically have a dedicated on paper telephoto but it's simulated because you you're the one who opened my eyes to this <laughs> before i even got my s20 it's a zoom factor of one optical zoom factor of 1.06 you said either 1.06 or 1.04 depending on which maths you believe but either way it's not two times it's not three times it's not five times it's one and a bit it's so basically crazy. one. So basically, <laughs> you have two main sensors. The thing people don't understand is the S20, if you look at it, if you remove the, you know, the expectation. In fact, you know, I got so confused about this, Steve, that at the launch event in San Francisco, when I was there and I saw the specs and I talked to the reps and I did my hands on, I thought the 64 megapixel sensor was the main sensor. I saw 64, 12, 12, and I thought, oh, 64 is the main, yeah. 12 is the telephoto. Yeah. 
with an optical, a physical optical zoom, and 12 is the ultra wide. And it wasn't until two or three days later when I'm recording the podcast and I'm reading my notes and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's 12 for the main, 64 for the telephoto. And then, then I was like, why would they do that? And then, and then you clued me on when you said zoom factor of 1.06 or 4. It doesn't zoom. So they rely on cropping a sensor, which is up to a point technically okay. And again, the, the, the LG V60 is showing the exact same symptoms and the exact same issues. It's fine up to 2x in daylight, but anything in low light because it no longer pixel bins is crap. Anything in anything beyond 2x, I'd say beyond 3x is unusable. It's worse than that though, Miriam. Let me blow your mind here. They're Please th- do. That 64 megapixel, quote, telephoto, and heavily in quotes because it's not um, lens, most of the the pixels on that 64 megapixel sensor, most of them, three quarters of them, are never used. That's not true. They're used for the 64 megapixel mode. Well, that who, who uses 8K that? And 8K video. I know I was going to come to video, but that's come on. Who shoot? Who actually needs 8K video, even in 2020? Ignoring the 8K video agree, marketing bullet point, ignoring some nerd shooting in 64 megapixel native mode, ignoring that <laughs> normal people, three quarters of the pixels on that. Oh, wait, wait, sensor. there's another mode. You forgot another mode that the 64 <laughs> is used in. I'm, I'm trying to help Samsung here. <laughs> Go on. <then. laughs> The 64 megapixel sensor is also used for the ultra stabilized 1080p video, where in addition to the OIS on that sensor, they're using a floating 1080p window that floats quite a bit. Yeah, I think you know you, what I'm saying. I think you should, you're working for Samsung marketing here, but um, okay. No, no, I'm just, I, I, <laughs> but I mean, seriously, like that's actually an interesting use case. Yeah. Um, um, because, I, you know. OnePlus was the first to do this. I, it was a new, I didn't realize that, that there was a thing until OnePlus. Their their ultra stable video on the seven and seven T and seven well the entire seven series is using the ultra wide at ten eighty p cropped for stabilization. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting, but it still doesn't uh, purge the hurt that's in my heart from course, just looking at the specs, using the device, and realizing how how an, how an inefficient kludge it is. Uh, it just it just beggars belief. So you and you so you start off. You zoom from on the main sensor, and you zoom in a bit. One point two, one point three. You get to one point nine. Still on that main twelve megapixel sensor. That's only only using software. Even though you've got sixty four megapixel or basically the same focal length, also trained at your subject. You don't use it at all. You only start using this quote telephoto. That's not a telephoto. When you get to two times zoom, at which point you're not using most of the the second lens and the second sensor. It's absolute madness, Miriam. No, I agree. It's it's egregious that they call this a telephoto. Yeah. If they had marketed this as we have two main sensors, they're used for different things. Yeah. We have a yeah. twelve megapixel sensor, and it's optimized for normal auto photography. And then we have a sixty-four megapixel, and that's used for tele for, for zooming. You know, they could pixel bin it four to one to get sixteen megapixel out of it as a main sensor, exactly like LG did. LG saved money by putting just a sixty-four megapixel sensor on this V60. And a lot of people are like, why would I even consider buying this when the S20 exists? And that's another story that, you know, you can obviously read my review. But what makes the V60 appealing is the battery life is insane and it it sells for two thirds of the price of a Galaxy S20 in the US. And so 
and it's 5G. So you get you get a 5G phone for 800 US dollars. That is a full-on flagship Snapdragon 865 with with the 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 whole enchilada, the whole the whole thing. The only thing it's missing to really make it a flagship is a dedicated telephoto, like actual optical zoom lens, a third lens. And it's only a 1080p display at 6.8 inches because they have this weird dual display case that they bundle with it. And the displays are identical in the case on the phone. So they cheaped out. I mean, the, 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 it's a very good display at 1080p. It's an OLED. But, and it's only at 60 hertz. But in a modern flagship, you expect a 90 or 120 hertz display. You expect, you know, some resolution choices. Like whether you have to choose between high refresh and high res is one thing, but when you don't even have the option, it's another thing. So that was my takeaway. But but the whole thing about using a 64 megapixel sensor for a telephoto, I think we're going to see more of it, Steve, and it's it's hurting me in my special place. Okay. If it was just that sensor though, then and you could kind of get away with it with clever software, and you've got you've got OIS and you've got uh, a decent focusing system. Then you, this it's just it's just the sheer waste of it, Miriam. It's not the fact that it doesn't work. It kind of does work, and if there wasn't too much over sharpening and edge enhancement, you could see how well it was or wasn't working. It's a bit like the Pixel Four series with the Soli radar, which people don't really use and most people yeah. hate. You're, you're kind of paying a hundred dollars at the bill bill of materials. Um, just for the, something you don't use. And here on this S20, the main sensor, the main camera is actually natively pretty good. It's got OIS. You could even do some stabilization with video, et cetera, et cetera. You don't actually need that second one. And if you say, okay, we we need need 8K video, we must have a high megapixel main sensor. Then make that the main sensor and put all the, the tech goodies into that. It just exactly. seems so wasteful to have both of them next to each other, overlapping and, and just very inefficient. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand it. I I really don't. And it's definitely a Samsung sensor that's 64 megapixel too. Yeah. So that's where we're at with the S20 series. And what's the ultra wide like in your experience? Also over processed, but overall pretty okay. Yeah, pretty okay. You don't again. I've I've never in my life pixel peeped an ultra wide shot. Maybe I'm sure. Maybe you have. You're more of an ultra wide gal. Maybe you need to, Steve. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people. I think you're dismissing the fact that a lot of people really love it. I really love the ultra wide. If anything. I can live without telephoto, but I want an ultra wide on all my phones. It's so much fun. And you know, I live in cities and sometimes you just can't get far back enough to oh, get sure. the yeah. shot, right? And it's just like, it's just saving you. Yeah, absolutely. It's Ultra wides are fun. I completely get why they're there and I enjoy having them there, but they're for fun shots. They're for posting on social media. If you're actually trying to photograph, uh, I don't know, you're at a zoo and you're photographing a tiger that's uh, 10 meters away, then you want some zoom and you want some zoom yeah. that gives decent no, quality. Sure. So, but you don't really pixel people. You don't really look at the quality of the ultra wide. If it's okay and if it's usable on social media, then it's okay yeah. and fun. Yeah. So basically the S20, if they can fix the processing, it would be okay. But right now it's a bit of a mess and it's a very wasteful approach to yeah. imaging. And yeah. unfortunately, as I said, just for the camera count and megapixel count, the war that is out there of everybody trying to outdo one another with up to five cameras in the back now, we're going to see more of this BS, of this putting large sensors in the back of phones with very simple optical stacks and calling them telephotos and yeah. with results that suck beyond two, three X. Because they, they, these are not the kind of zooms you're used to. If you've been using um, a P20 Pro yeah. or a Mate 30 Pro uh, or a Mate 20 Pro, a device that has a three times optical or two times optical zoom, you know how good it can be. Especially, I think, at 3x optical, 
you get to a point where you can do hybrid zoom up to 5x or whatever and get pretty decent results. This S20 is not it. At 5x, it looks like hell. At 10x, it's a disaster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. All, but all of this is not why I returned my S20. I actually bought my S20 in Miramar. It wasn't sent by PR. I didn't trust them to send it in time. But I returned the phone. I returned the phone not because of the imaging, but because the in-screen ultrasonic fingerprint scanner oh is just God. appalling. And I tried it w with the supplied um, screen protector that comes out of the factory. I tried it peeling that off and tried using it without. I tried registering double fingerprints. I tried everything, absolutely everything, and I never got beyond about 50% recognition rate. And that is not good enough when capacitive no, scanners no. On, on budget phones work 99.9% .9 of the time. I'm sorry, Samsung, they have got to abandon this ultrasonic technology. It does not work. No, I mean, that's Qualcomm's fault, really. Uh, yeah. At this point, I feel like I, I thought you were going to say with the finger supplied in the package. <laughs> Might help, actually. <laughs> there's an accessory in the in the box. It's the finger and you use it for the fingerprint sense. Um, it's actually interesting that you bring up the ultrasonic because I, I don't want to dwell on this too much because I want to move on to the other two phones. But I have had issues lately with the uh, fingerprint sensors on all my phones because I'm washing my hands so much, they're so dry, that my skin is peeling on my thumb. So I'm having to moisturize more. And because my skin is peeling, my recognition is going down because it's getting partial prints only, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's across all sensors. I personally, have, it works with for me the, the ultrasonic, but I know it's very polarizing. Like some people can't get it to work and some people it works. And that's just not acceptable when you're Samsung. Like you can't experiment like that, especially when it's like a second or third generation product now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the P40 series and particularly the P40 Pro, which I have and the P40 Pro Plus, which is theoretical for both of us because we don't have one. Yeah. And we might as well lump the, um, I, I don't want to lump it into it, but it's very similar in many ways other than the RYYB stuff. It's very similar in many ways to the Oppo Find X2 Pro, uh, what they're doing. They're very, they're doing very traditional things here. They're doing a large sensor for the main camera. Yeah, yeah. They're doing a large sensor for the ultra wide, and then they're doing a, you know, they're doing a, a folded lens for the yeah. telephoto. And I think that's still a solid approach because the results speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, so I'm really looking forward to my P40 Pro arriving. Both of them say they can zoom up to two times losslessly with that high megapixel main sensor. And then, but the, I guess my gripe really for both of them, I, I know it's a, a minor gripe, but I am who I am. From two times zoom up to 4.92 times zoom on both of them, you get progressively worse um, interpretive software zoom. And then again, yeah. that five times the real optical kicks in and then you get a clear shot. Um, right. And that that is a beef for me. Quite often, a favorite zoom factor of mine is three times, and the phones which have a three right. times zoom, it's crystal right. clear. But to have a this kind of nebulous area where you zoom in to, to to get to zoom your nephew or niece or your pet or whatever, which is four or five meters away, and you're up at three times or three and a half times zoom, and you get a completely rubbish shot because you're in that middle ground. And I I do wish more manufacturers once they go to multiple cameras, why not have a main sensor? have a two times telephoto and then the main periscope five times and it can juggle between the three. That would make so much sense. Well, your wishes have been answered with a P40 Pro Plus. Ah, yes. How much money will that be there? <laughs> uh, more, more. But let, let me, let, let's backtrack a little bit. Okay, so here is my quick observations on the P40 Pro. Like quickly run through things. It's in a 50 megapixel RYYB main sensor. Yeah. 
We don't know the pixel size they haven't given us, but they've given us a sensor size, which is, get this, bigger than Samsung's, at 1 over 1.28. It's almost 808 pure view size, which is 1, point, 1 over 1 1.2, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 2.44 microns here on the spec sheet I've yeah. got. The f-stop on the main sensor, I believe, is... FF 1.9 on my spec sheet here. Uh, 1.9, which is, you know, mm, but I've, I've already noticed some incredibly beautiful bokeh naturally with that yeah, lens yeah, because, yeah. you know, because the large sensor. And the ultra-wide is interesting because it's f of 1.8, which is amazing for an ultra-wide, at 40 megapixels. Um, <laughs> and that's an RGB sensor. That's, I think, pretty much the same setup we saw on the Mate 30 Pro. And then here's a kicker, and here's why I'm bringing it up now, because we want to talk about the 40 Pro Plus in a second, is that the telephoto is essentially the same telephoto as we had on the P30 Pro. 5X optical periscope folded lens with, in this case, a 12 megapixel sensor versus an 8 megapixel. Yeah. But here's the kicker. That 12 megapixel sensor is RYYB. And we don't know the pixel yeah. size, but it's definitely bigger than one micron. It's, I think, 1.2 or 1.4. Yeah. So they put a real serious sensor on the telephoto for the first time on any Huawei phone. And it pays because in low light, this is really shining right now. And here's the thing I've noticed, Steve, that has always been an issue on Huawei phones in the past. And it's getting better, but even the Mate 30 was, eh. This seems to have solved the color science issue of switching between RGB and RYYB. Because oh, I'm getting yes. consistent, at least close enough to consistent, not visibly, obviously jarring differences in white balance between yeah. the three lenses, at least in daylight. It's harder to tell at night because, as you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I really haven't had much time to go out at night, especially in the, in the stay-at-home thing. But... I am very impressed, and the amount of light the main sensor is getting. If you thought the P30 Pro at 40 megapixel with its smaller pixels and its faster lens and you know its RYYB was good, this is a whole new level of that. So yeah. you can shoot in the dark now, no problem. Uh, you can resolve things in the resulting photos that your eye just simply could not resolve, even at all, didn't even have a clue it was there. Yeah, it's been yeah. very useful. You've, you've now explained to me why the P30 Pro was so terrible at the the color the white balance and and, yeah, and the subjects being so different yeah, from yeah. one lens yeah. to the other and now it's now they're both consistent using the same sensor tech yes very good but of course even they've made somehow managed to make the the rgb ultra wide consistent with that as well somehow yeah, like it's good, close and yeah. and i remember with the p30 pro there literally were three different color sciences <laughs> which were three <laughs> it was and and after you've used an iphone 11 pro for a while which is so yeah. consistent between them yeah it's like night and day right um, and, and here's another phone because we, we, I don't want us to run out of time, but I'm going to lump it in there real quick. The Oppo Find X2 Pro, which is the other phone I want to discuss very briefly in terms of imaging, also nails the color science. Now, it's only using RGB sensors all across three lenses, but it's the first Android phone where I really feel like every sensor is identical in terms of color science, like iPhone levels of identical, which even Samsung hasn't achieved yet. So... Yeah. Kudos to Apple. I think iPhone 11 Pro series, I think Apple nailed the the color balance matching between the three lenses so, so incredibly well that every other manufacturer thought, blimey, people are actually going to expect this from our phone now. And they've yeah. actually put effort into it for the first time ever. And Oppo, I think, is the first one to achieve that. Like, okay. even better than Samsung. So, 
you know, the P40 Pro to me, this is the big news, is that big sense, main sensor, that really incredible RYYB telephoto. And of course, a, a very decent ultra wide. Um, so across the board, a, a great phone. And as I mentioned, because we talked about it at length last week uh, with my guest then, TK Bay, it supports 5G on two US carriers, the P40 Pro, which is pretty exciting, uh, AT&T and T-Mobile. And the only big negative right now is that up to the Mate 30 Pro, I wouldn't even say up to the uh, Honor Z, uh, V30 series, which came out in February, January, you could hack GMS back onto the phone. You could re-enable the Google mobile services right. by a workaround. And that workaround does not work on the P40 Pro at this time. So we do have no way right now of getting the Google apps working properly on, yeah. on these phones. So be aware of that. There will probably be eventually a workaround. But, you know, in the UK where you're now getting this phone officially, you know, this is this could be a problem. I know that a lot of people dismiss it as no big deal, and that's fair. If that's, if you're that person that doesn't need to use Google services that much, I think then you don't have to worry about it. But for a lot of us who do, the workaround on these previous phones was a pretty critical part. So that doesn't exist yeah. right now. On the I was been reading Pro. through the reviewers' guides and the ancillary documents for the P40 Pro. They supply that obviously before the device arrives. And they... they for example, it's not just the Google own applications in the Play Store and Gmail. It's things like WhatsApp. Yeah, is, Uber, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, WhatsApp, the Netflix, the default version of Netflix doesn't work. You have to have a special build of Netflix for Huawei, which thankfully they have. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's so much of a clutch, so much of a clutch, having to literally Google for the APK of the app you want and then install the APK manually. That's crazy. So, Steve, I'm going to let you in on a secret. <laughs> it's not a secret because it's been on the podcast quite a bit now. It's my third time talking about it. There is a thing out there called F-Droid, the F-Droid project, which is basically a, it's a collection of apps that can be installed from a single source called F-Droid. So it's okay. like, think of it as an app store, but it's not really an app store because it doesn't contain the apps you expect. It's more like a, a distribution hub for really cool software made by the developer XDA type community on Android. Okay. So, they just wanted a legitimate source for these apps so you didn't have to download APKs randomly and feel like you were potentially getting in trouble, right? So they decided to gather together, create this thing called F-Droid where you can find APKs that have been deemed safe, right, by the community. It's all community, self-police, whatever. F-Droid has an app you can download on it called the Aurora Store. And the Aurora Store is, get this, it is a Google Play Store gateway. So... It connects to the Google servers and gives you the access to the Google Play Store through the APIs of Google Play Store. Wow. It does so by creating a basically a temporary Google account, disposable Google account, so that it's an anonymous connection for you, basically. They can't keep track of which apps you, you know, install and who you are. Because every time you connect, you get an, it connects to a new login. Okay. But the app, the Aurora store keeps track of which apps are installed on your phone and updates them. So it basically feels like the Google Play Store. In fact, the I think the user interface is better than the Google Play Store. And you can get any app from the Google Play Store. And it behaves just like a normal app store. It's very nice, very easy, very safe. And of course, if you download a Google app at that point that is not supported on the P40 Pro, it's not going to magically work. But I'm suggesting that for those of you who live in the UK and are going to buy the P40 series, you can install the Aurora Store through F-Droid. So install F-Droid first, which you're <laughs> going to have to grab the APK from, uh, from yeah. the, the scary internet directly. And then once you get F-Droid, install the Aurora Store. And then 
connect, you have two options. You can connect with your own Google account, which eventually will get flagged as doing something illegal and your account will get deleted, which I don't suggest you do. Or you can connect anonymously where it creates a new login every time you connect. And then you'll get everything that's in the Google Play Store. Anything you want. Everything that you're used to is there. So that's how I get, I got Facebook, Twitter on my, on my P40 Pro because I don't use their transfer utility, which will transfer everything over very well. And it's great. So if I'm missing an app that I need suddenly, like a lot of apps work. Snapseed works, which is nice. You want photo editing, that's a Google yeah, app. It works yeah. just fine. So that's what I recommend, Aurora Store. Check it out. Well, I, I didn't read that in the reviewer's guide, certainly. <laughs> but I have a question well, for no, you, Well, no, that's not, I think it's not something that, it's something that could disappear and go <laughs> away know. tomorrow, right? Just yeah. be aware of that because Google could clamp down on them somehow. But it right now is a much better way than going anything else and much better than the app gallery from Huawei, much better than even the Amazon store, okay. much better than, oh my goodness, uh, you know, APK mirror, which is a yeah. godsend of a resource, but a nightmare to navigate. Yeah. So there you go. I do have a question for you, Miriam, though. Given yeah. those problems with Google services and the various workarounds, why shouldn't someone just get an Oppo Find X2 Pro, which offers yeah. almost as good imaging and great specs at presumably a lower price? Does Presumably the Oppo has um, Google Play Store on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that for a second. Before we do quickly, I want to say that the problem you were indicating earlier with the P40 Pro is also resolved with the P40 Pro Plus, which has four lenses in the back. Well, five if you count the time of flight, uh, which, by the way, four lenses in the back with the regular Pro because it has a time of flight as well. Yeah, yeah. So you now have the 50 megapixel main sensor hasn't changed. Then uh, the ultra wide hasn't changed, so only 40 megapixel RGB. And then the telephoto from the Pro, which is 12 megapixel 5X with RYYB is now replaced by two 8 megapixel RGB sensors, with each of them a different optical zoom. One is 3X, exactly the same lens we saw on the Mate 30 Pro. And then the next one is 10X. <laughs> 10x periscope <laughs> and that one we've never seen anymore anywhere because even the p30 pro and yeah. the p40 pro regular are 5x optical periscopes so the idea here is that you have the main sensor up to 3x then you have the 3x up to 10x yeah and then you have the 10x up to 100x i guess is what they are they're basically trying to pull the samsung here uh, by doing 100x hybrid zoom have you seen the cutaway drawings of that insane 10 times optical and the light path, Miriam? I have not. It's insane. It's like five reflections. It's like onto a prism, onto, onto some, a different mirror, then onto a different mirror, then onto through another lens and back to another mirror, then finally onto the sensor. It's absolutely insane. You might, I'll see if you can find it for the show notes. There are several screen, screen caps from the promotional video of the P40 Pro Plus, but I've never seen a camera that complicated in a phone. Whether you actually get any decent results and decent light collected at the end of, what is it, five different reflections, I don't know, but heck, heck it's ambitious. Well, Leica's involved, so I'm not too worried uh, when it comes to lenses. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the Oppo Find X2 Pro because this, I think, is your... If you are mad with Samsung for their pricing for the Ultra and you're mad with Huawei for the GMS stuff, now, this is not going to be quite as good on paper, but in my experience, having used it the longest of all of these phones we're talking about so far, because I had mine, I got mine, like right around the time MWC was supposed to happen, this phone is incredible. It's a very big phone. Uh, it's got a 6.7-inch display, so it's up there with the, uh, the S20 Plus and S20 Ultra, um, bigger than the P40 Pro, which, as you know, is like a 6.5 or something. Yeah. Uh, so there's triple camera system in the back. There's a 48-megapixel, f over 
one over 1.43 inch main sensor with individual micron pixels of 1.12 micron. So combined four to one is 2.24 micron. Omnidirectional phase dense detect autofocus, laser autofocus, optical image stabilization. That is the main sensor. And the best part of it is Sony's new IMX 689 sensor. And it's a, it's quad buyer um, natively. So it's, yeah, yeah. If it's basically the evolution of this, the excellent and universally used, sometimes poorly but often really well used, IMX five eight six from last year. I do wonder why they need laser autofocus when they've got this omnidirectional PDF as well. Maybe... They have it in there probably for the other lenses uh, okay, because okay. all lenses yeah. are autofocus on this phone. Okay, let me get to that. So <laughs> the next the next uh, lens is a five times optical zoom periscope folded lens with a 13 megapixel sensor, f over 3.0, and it has one micron pixel, so not too crazy. Phase detect, laser, and OIS. So that's a telephoto. And honestly, that telephoto can take photos reliably up to 10x zoom, and they look great at 10x still. Like it basically competes very well with the P40 Pro. If I put the P40 Pro next to it, uh, the only thing is at night with the RYYB sensor on the P40 Pro, the, the telephoto is where yeah. I think it has the uh, the Oppo edged out. Yeah, those those specs look pretty darn good for imaging. With that, that's just that one caveat which I mentioned before is that from two times zoom up to four point nine times zoom, yeah, you're getting progressively worse results. And it's it's very notable noticeable in the UI that when as you on the zoom presets it gives you, it's obviously one times, two times, five times. They don't yeah, they try yeah. not to offer you something between because that in between area will not be very good. Right, and so the third lens is really exciting. Guess what? It's a ultra wide, of course. And guess what sensor they're using? Sony IMX586, last <laughs> year's flagship <laughs> sensor, is used on an ultra-wide with, wow. get this, f over 2.2, ah, all right. But here's the best part, autofocus. It can do macro shots up to like two centimeters from the lens or something, which is probably why they have the laser AF. Yeah, so we, that's, we've been having that's a competition exciting. on the MIUI group about who can take the best macro shot of a five pence <laughs> coin. And, and it, the results are pretty darn impressive, some, some of the shots, but I guess this is the new macro winner. Right. So this is what you get with the Oppo Find X2 Pro. And and no 8K, just like the P40 Pro, there's no 8K gimmick here. But honestly, the imaging system is solid. And my best, my favorite thing about it, my thing that's really got me excited the most about it is the, the uniformity of color science across these three lenses. It's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. And using a Sony IMX586, last year's really great sensor from Sony, for a ultra wide is kind of like i think wow we're using that 40 megapixel on uh, on their ultra wide i think it's becoming a thing steve it's becoming a thing yeah well i i think you'll be very very happy with your ultra wide shots going forward in 2020 so uh, that's right but yeah there's nothing to complain about and oh i just noticed in the spec sheet miriam the find x2 pro also has stereo speakers which you still don't get in all the flagships yeah, and so by well the done, way Oppo. i mentioned the v60 uh from LG earlier. And as an aside, the stereo speakers on that are phenomenal. They're not doing that tweeter ba yeah, um, bass yeah. thing. It's two proper stereo speakers and they sound really rich and strong because it's such a big phone. There's so much space in there. Oh man, it's so good. And then of course, quad DAC uh, yeah, on the yeah. headphone jack, which is just tremendous. Um, let's switch gears to the news real quick. There's a few items here. I want to take your temperature about what you th your thoughts are on the Mi 10, which is now officially available globally. It was launched earlier uh, in February, I think, or 
even in last year at some point. So what, like I'm getting one, they're sending me one. Uh, I, I don't know if they're sending me the Mi 10 or the Mi 10 Pro, but I'm excited I'm getting played with another flagship. This is an expensive phone for Xiaomi up to a thousand dollars US, which is <clears throat> roughly whatever it is in going to be in UK pounds. That's a lot for Xiaomi. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot for Xiaomi. So having, having a quick look at the specs, what is, what is your take? What, what's exciting you, if anything, about this phone? Um, first of all, they are, in theory, sending me a Mi 10 Pro um, in the next week or so. So I will will get to have a play with this. But at the moment, I'm just looking at specs like you are. The main sensor is another of these 108 megapixel arrangements, f over 1.7. Um, a genuine um, optical zoom. It doesn't say on my spec sheet, though, just how, what the power is. Do we know what the, the telephoto actually is yet? I don't think so. Okay, so it's all up for grabs at the moment. But assuming it's a three times or a five times, then you've got pretty similar performance, really, to the, the two phones we've just been talking Looking about. Looking at the fact that it is, is it a folded lens or not? If it's a folded lens, it's going to be 5X. If it's not, no, it's not a folded lens. I think it's a 3X. 3X, which will be absolutely fine. Come on, I've been looking at all the shots I've been taking over the last year and thinking, how much do I actually zoom? Which is why I was complaining earlier about phones which do indistinct zoom at three and four times. Almost all these zoom shots of real people and real subjects, in, in my experience, are at about yeah. two or three times. I only ever go to five times when I'm doing camera testing or when I'm at a nature park or something. So I think three times is absolutely fine here. I actually agree 100%. I feel like 5X and what what the P40 Pro Plus brings with a 3X and 10X. I mean, that's all overkill at that level. But, you know, somebody's yeah. going to try it and it's okay. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like 3X for the average person, 3X is the sweet spot, I feel. Yeah. And like yeah. a real 3X optical. I mean, honestly, everything looks good on this 90 hertz display. As an aside, the P40 Pro has a 90 hertz display. The Oppo Find X2 Pro has a 120 hertz display, which is also like the Galaxy's a Quad HD 1440p 2K display. And the Oppo lets you do both at the same time. If you want to kill your battery, since it also has 5G, <laughs> you can run 5G and 120 hertz and Quad HD and take a lot of photos and your battery will die quickly. <laughs> but it's a big battery. So thankfully you're good with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited. I'm just bringing it up because I'm getting one and it's finally officially available. And it's possibly for me going to be my first 108 megapixel phone because, well, I didn't get the Ultra. So kudos to them. I think it's good. I also want to add quickly that there is a Mi 10 Lite coming. And the reason I'm bringing that up is purely because it's the most affordable 5G phone in terms of pricing yet. Um, and that's got me really excited because I'm very gung-ho about 5G low band, which is pretty commonly available in the US everywhere now. Snapdragon 765G, which is the slightly gamer version of the 765 with 5G for 349 euros. That's a pretty damn great price. Yeah, yeah. And all of the Xiaomi phones, uh, assuming you get their world editions, which is what you typically buy over here and presumably in America, um, they have the Google Play Store and Google services. So yet again, Huawei is the only one where you have to go jump through these hoops. And given all the imaging specs of all these other great phones we're talking about, I know the P40 Pro is probably technically better as a as an imaging phone, but I'd rather have less hassle and a much, much easier life. Right. And speaking of Xiaomi, I want to touch quickly on last week's, we briefly touched on it with TK Bay, uh, the Redmi series. So Redmi is a sub-brand of Xiaomi and the Redmi K30 Pro and K30 Pro Zoom <laughs> came names, out. These names, these names. <laughs> these names. But the K series is interesting because last year the K20 Pro was a 500 US dollar or less than that. Actually, by the time it, when it came out, you could consistently buy it online for 350 US dollars. And for K20 Pro, that meant 
a Snapdragon 855, a proper triple camera system in the back with a, tel a real telephoto, uh, ultra wide and main, and all that for 350, 400 US dollars was insane. And the K30 Pro takes that and brings that to the 865 world, right? So we're looking at a phone that's going to be 500 US dollars for those specs. And there's a Zoom version now that has apparently like a, a 3X or 5, I, I don't know. It's three times, three times, yeah. 3X, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's got a 3X Zoom, whereas last year's K20 Pro had a 2X Zoom. Yeah. And honestly, I think this is great because this is this is another thing that you can get with Google Play services. And I felt like if we talk to the US media amongst us, the K20 Pro last year was our go-to choice if you wanted the cheapest, most powerful phone you could buy. It was kind of like the Poco phone of its era, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do these Xiaomi's have NFC for Google Pay? I haven't got that in front of me. Do you know? Yeah, they do. Yeah, the higher-end okay. ones do. Yeah, yeah. The, the Redmi K20 that I have had it. Uh, by the way, they okay. also rebrand these. So last year's K20 series, there was a 20 and a 20 Pro was also known as the Xiaomi Mi 9T and Xiaomi Mi 9T Pro in Europe. Uh, so, yeah. And the only difference between the Pro and non-Pro last year was that it was a, seven, a Snapdragon 730 versus a Snapdragon 855. That was the only difference. Everything else, cameras, everything was the same. And last year it used the Sony IMX586 as a main sensor. So this phone, the K20 last year, was so good that I'm really having high expectations about the K30 this year. Yeah, and they're using MIUI, I presume they still call it, uh, skin yeah. over Android. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, it's the same OS as, as Xiaomi. And again, the same GMS support and everything, just like Oppo, yeah. the, Fine, okay. the Fine X2 Pro has uh, GMS support, of course. But quickly, Nokia 8.35G. We talked about it on last week, but you're a Nokia guy like me. So what do you think? It's not the real Nokia, though. I think you're slightly disingenuous no, to say I I'm know, a Nokia guy. No, I know, I know, I know. You know, I kind of want to be excited, but I'm not. That's the problem. I'm looking at those specs. I'm like, okay, this is going to be an affordable 5G phone, Snapdragon 765 again. But the imaging system on that doesn't really inspire me too much. 64 megapixel main sensor. I haven't really found a 64 megapixel phone yet that I liked the, the quality from. No, no, no. I don't think the, the imaging expertise is there. They're just slapping in this because it's got a high number of megapixels, taking almost no care over it, and the results are not very good. And um, the, the biggest disappointment here, I guess, on the, this Nokia is it's got a an LCD screen, not AMOLED. And, and I, Ooh, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, what's the price on this again? Uh, 500-US-ish. I'm sorry that at five hundred dollars, five hundred pounds, you, you need an AMOLED screen. You don't have IPS LCD. I, there are some jolly good IPS LCD panels, and I've got some Motorola's here around the sort of two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, yeah. and they're great value for money, and they work just fine. But at five hundred pounds, five hundred dollars, you've got to be AMOLED. You've got to be always on display, and you've got to be at least trying to look and feel like a flagship. It is interesting to me that the Nokia HMD Global brand they seem to be overpriced for what you get considering they're basically Chinese phones, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think they're trying to kind of leverage the Nokia brand a little too much for that. Because, yeah, you get Android One, and yeah, you get theoretical two-year support, now, although that's not always been a good track record for them. No, no, no. Um, and so I, I, I just feel like there's a lot of lip, ser lip servicing going on with HMD Global's Nokia that I wish that was a little bit more like, can we actually get the stuff done and not talk about it as much, please? And that's been a Nokia issue forever, right? The let's get things done versus talking about them thing. They're very good at marketing, but sometimes the execution is a little lacking, right? And let's not talk about the nine PureView. 
Let's oh, not go goodness. there again. That took an entire podcast last year. <laughs> oh my God, what a nightmare that was. I, I never, I really, I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I just, I unfortunately didn't have a lot of time to dig into it, but I just abandoned it because I was just like, I see the magic, but it's happening so rarely that it's not worth it for me, you know? Yeah. Anyway, HMD, do not, don't talk to me anymore. I, I think I said some constructively criticized, critical uh, <laughs> things about the 9P review, and they have not talked to me once since, despite many attempts. Uh, so I'm not going to get a review in it of this. That's petty. Yeah, I am still have a good connection relatively with the USPR team, but we get no phones here. So it's like three months after its release, I'll get an 8.3. It'll be irrelevant. Um, yeah. But I'll be able to say, hey, look, it works on every 5G network in the US. Woohoo. And speaking of which, <laughs> I, I yeah. want to quickly uh, talk about the T-Mobile Sprint merger before we have a second talking about the Planet Computers Astro slide. T-Mobile and Sprint have finally officially merged in the US. None of this matters to you UK listeners, but hear me out. This is important because in the US, we had four main carriers that had a whole bunch of MVNOs attached to them. And they still do. So it looks like we have more operators in the US than four. But really, if you look at it, it has, the essence of it is that we have four. And now we have three. So Sprint and T-Mobile became one. And that makes them a juggernaut. And honestly, T-Mobile has always been the best in terms of everything for the last, I'd say, since about 2012. I've been with them for 20 years, mostly because in the early days, they had really cheap data. And then they were very good at accommodating unlocked phones for a U.S. carrier. And then when John Ledger, their current CEO that actually just exited with this merger, came on board and kind of revolutionized the brand, they became, they really improved their network radically. Coverage and performance went up. And more importantly, customer service is still the best of any of the operators here in the U.S. So now them sprint merging with Sprint, which has been a terrible kind of carrier, is a bit of a scary thing for those of us who've been with T-Mobile for a long time. Is the quality of the customer service going to stay the same? Um, that's a big question we have. But this is an important merger because if you understand how 5G works, there is high band millimeter wave, mid band in the two, three gigahertz range and, and low band in like the sub 1000 megahertz range. And this is the first carrier now in the U.S. that has coverage in all three because of this. So it's going to make them very relevant in the 5G space. T-Mobile alone had great low band. In fact, mostly nationwide low band 5G. And Sprint had mid band. And T-Mobile had millimeter wave as well. So now the three, the two of them together gives us the whole the whole salad, as it were, you know. So that's that's kind of why it's exciting to U.S. customers, but also really scary because Sprint wasn't a particularly great company and them merging <laughs> with a super great company. How's that going to work out, right? Planet Computers Astro Slide. What's your gut feeling on this 5G weird sliding thrown from the crazy people over at Planet Computers? <laughs> I, well, you, you remember the Gemini and the Cosmo and the, the way they're... The hinge worked the way that this, the ribbon cable was kept quite simple so that there wasn't too much stress and train. And as a result, the Gemini and the Cosmo, they've been pretty darn reliable. I've got a Gemini here that's now a year and a half old, still working fine. Um, but this Astro slide, you've got this screen slides across the QWERTY keyboard towards the back on two big, presumably aluminium rails. And somewhere in there, there is a ribbon cable that's having to do a heck of a lot of work and and do some fairly nifty flexing. In theory, you've got a full screen Android smartphone where the screen slides to the side, pops up and then becomes you know, like a landscape. Did HTC do that on a number of their flagships back in the day of Windows Mobile? 
Yeah, but they're, they're, we were used to phones breaking after six, seven months with ribbon cable failures <laughs> back then as well. So, I mean, the, yes. the, the science were legendary. The Nokia communicators had a fair few failures. I think these days you know, we're rather hoping that devices last for two, three, even four years with a second, a second owner. We're not really expecting to have to send it back because a ribbon cable failed after nine months. Um, and my gut feel is that I'm I'm worried about reliability and how rickety and how rattly it might be. And of course, there's no water resistance because there's just so many gaps. But the promise of a full screen Android and a full mechanical QWERTY keyboard that's genuinely usable. The, the promise is absolutely there. One of my close friends has um, pre-ordered it and I think he's number four in their in their database. Yeah. So hopefully I'll be able to get hands on with it and, uh, and, I mean, and give it a good review. I mean, it's interesting, right? I had the uh, original, whatever, the Gemini. I played with that for yeah. a while. And it was interesting, but it left me pretty cold. I mean, imaging sucked and, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, it just didn't feel like a very polished, complete package to me. And, and I feel like planned computers marketing is very rah, rah, rah. But again, like, kind of like Nokia does not really deliver in the end. Like, you know, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't want to discourage these kind of boutique and niche form factors because I feel that diversity is really critical in our industry. But at the same time, I'm feeling like maybe just be a little more humble because Planet Computers really hasn't delivered that much goodness yet. Yeah, it's okay? all about the keyboard, though. And it's, it's, it's not just marketing. The keyboard is, as you know from the Gemini, is yeah, genuinely yeah, outstanding. Yeah, yeah. But you, if you don't need a mechanical QWERTY keyboard, then every, every other specification in the phone, every other spec is average or middling at best. Yeah, and from imaging exactly. to sound to screen to processor to RAM. So you, you, you've got to absolutely want lust and desire after that keyboard if the keyboard is just a nice to have then it's the wrong phone for you get the i don't know the fx tech pro one or or just get a bluetooth keyboard and use it with your iphone or galaxy exactly absolutely the stowaway keyboard everybody remember that i've still uh, got one yeah yeah me too it's great all right so uh quick thing that i wanted on last week's show but we didn't have time and i'm just going to mention it and let you folks your listeners go the link and check out the photos a couple of weeks ago essential folded basically but um, somebody that used to work there published photos and renders of two phones that were one day going to be released but never did. So if you want to look at some cool phones that we never got, um, <laughs> check out this link in the uh, in the show in the show notes. Yeah, so that's it. I want to give you a chance, Steve, to tell the audience where they can find you on the internet. Are you still writing for? Android Beat, I am still writing That's occasionally, right. but their their budgets are quite limited, so they only really um, pay for me to do reviews of the, the year's flagships. So typically the Huawei and the Samsung flagships, maybe, maybe a couple of others. I also write for iPhone Hacked, which is their sister site, though, and I do reviews each year for any iPhones that come out. Um, so they, and also all about Windows Phone is kind of winding down. Uh, but I do on stevelitchfield.com. Don't forget the T in Litchfield. Um, so stevelitchfield.com has got links to stuff I do. And, of course, my main sort of video phone show, and the much-loved, apparently, um, the audio podcast, which has now gone twice weekly while we're all in lockdown just to keep people wow. entertained. And, of course, you've been a guest on that many times. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what you really want to listen to is the phone show, right? And I guess there is the phone show video, right? And then there's a the phone show audio. Yeah, the idea was that we started just a video podcast. I started I started doing it before YouTube existed, believe it or not. I think I mentioned that a few, last time I was on, but that's how, how long ago I've been doing it. But very quickly, it became apparent there was just far too much to cover in, in just sort of 10 minutes of video. And we wanted to chat about it and bring other voices on. So for the last 11 years, we've had an audio podcast an hour a week or so, and getting different guests on, just like you do with your show, getting different takes, different opinions, 
and then you're just chewing the fat and a couple of you know geeks down the pub chatting about tech and apart from the virtual beer it all works very well Fantastic. And you folks, if you haven't listened to Steve's podcast or watched his videos, you do yourself a favor. It's worth it. If there is one constant that's been in our industry for almost 20 years now, it's Steve. So, uh, <laughs> and imaging is like me. He's a, he's a big photography fan. So check out his work and you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and Instagram. That's like the comic book character without the vowels, if you forget. T-N-K-G-R-L. Twitter is where you want to discuss the podcast with me. Uh, Instagram is where you want to look look for photos. Photos of phones, photos taken with phones, all that photo stuff. And then um, there is a YouTube channel that uh, goes along with the show called youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. Uh, I've got some unboxing, hands-on, some review videos on there. Check it out. Uh, it's good visual content that goes along with the audio podcast. And then if you happen to listen to this show by accident, you've tuned in, you don't know, you don't, you like it, but you want to come back, please subscribe. Uh, mobiletechpodcast.com is the URL. And of course, we're on all the major podcasting platform. And I say we is me and my guests. So Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, etc., etc. Find us, subscribe, tell your friends, uh, all that good stuff. Same with the YouTube, subscribe, tell your friends. And importantly, if you can review or rate the podcast on the various platforms you use, some platforms let you do that. Please do. That would help us a lot. Another thing you can do is donate. There's a donate link in the show notes. It helps us along doing this show on a regular basis. If you want to donate something, click through that link and follow the instructions. It's a PayPal donate thing. And then I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible has been with us pretty much since the early days of this podcast, um, over two years now. And they're really the best platform for audiobooks out there. If you like books and for some reason you can't read a book, maybe you're a delivery driver in these crazy times and you have to dodge the zombies out there in your UPS or FedEx truck or DHL truck, you might want to listen to books at the same time still. So Audible's you got you covered. I've been binging, as I said, for the last couple of podcasts on the Star Wars book, basically, adaptation of the most recent movie. And it's a nine-hour epic audiobook with sound effects and the whole nine yards. It's really fantastic. So here's the deal. You can actually get access to Audible for free for 30 days and keep a book at the end if you click through the link in the show notes and that supports us, that helps us, that helps us me make the show. So consider it. The URL is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And again, there's a link in the show notes. Please click through, get your 30 day free trial. There's no obligation to stay, but if you do so, you will help us out. So I would really appreciate it if you considered it. And that's a thank you to Audible, who's been really all there all the time for us so steve thanks again for being on the show i really appreciate it yeah my pleasure i, I as i always say when i come on i feel like we could geek out for hours but of course your listeners wouldn't appreciate it but thanks for having me yeah, yeah absolutely it's hard to keep this show down to an hour hour 15 <laughs> which is what i try but you know what it's only a reason for folks to come back next week and until then cheers everybody this has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.